What's up, everybody? Welcome to Call to the Bullpen. I'm David Payne with Brad Zampar and Jimmy Miller. Let's play ball. What's going on, guys? So I'm just going to give a heads up right now. It's 8.29 on, on a Tuesday. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm going to be munching on my food right here. Well, while we do this, I won't, I won't be too loud with the, the, the microphone right here, although my mom would beg to differ. She thinks that I'm an obnoxious chewer, but that's not important. Uh, but we're going to keep this thing pretty, pretty short today. I mean, it's Tuesday, May 24th. Everyone's got a, a general idea what's going on, and we're, we're not feeling too up to this, but uh, we're late on this episode because Bradley and I made a, a very fun trip this last weekend. Uh, you can see I'm, I'm rocking the O's jersey. I, I guess I'll, I'll make some effort to turn around and show you who's on that. Mr. Adley Rutschman on that made his MLB debut on Saturday. That's kind of the story of the week. Uh, so th that's what we're going to talk about first. Um, so, Brad, first off, you, you woke up and saw the news before I did on Saturday morning. Uh, first off, when did you get up? Why were you up that early on a Saturday? And, and what was the immediate reaction to, to getting that notification? All right. So I woke up. It was like I went to sleep the night before. It was like two o'clock. I was on the show. I finally like had my whole franchise set up. Didn't work out. The game crashed because there was a whole crash thing with franchise. So I went to go play a game. Didn't save it. And then it just crashed the whole thing. Didn't get any save whatsoever. Whatever. Went to sleep. Woke up. So I was woke up. It was like 730. I was like, all right, well, let me go do this real quick. So I get like I start how I get like a coffee. And then next thing I know, I get this notification from one of the Orioles beat reporters and it says, the, the day is finally here. Adley Rushman is having his contract selected by the Orioles. And it was immediate goosebumps. It, that was just the initial reaction. I just, it's been four years in the making of this exact moment. And it was just amazing to have it finally happen. So now I'm waking up a few hours later around 9.30. Now, what time, first of all, what time did this all happen? They, they announced it like right at eight o'clock. I'm waking up a bit later. I'm an hour and a half in. Brad has already got a tweet out with like 400, 500 likes on it saying like, uh, should I drive down to Baltimore alone for the game tonight? You know, Brad and I, when we first drafted Adley, we committed that we were, we were going to the debut. And, and a month or so ago, we had set aside a really, really Friday to take off of work. Um, and we were thinking that this weekend was going to be it. We had this weekend and the June 3rd weekend uh, marked off for a trip. When it didn't happen Friday, we were kind of thinking, okay, it, it's going to be in June. So I wake up Saturday morning just thinking it's a normal Saturday. And I've got like 25 messages from so many different people. I'm like, holy crap, what is going on? And uh, the first one I, I went to was Brad saying, what's going on? And he was like, he was ready to go. He was good. You were going to like get, you said you were going to leave at what, like 1030? Yeah, I was, I was ready to fly. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to head down himself, you know, because I'm up in Massachusetts. He's in Connecticut. Um, it, it would be the kind of thing that you'd think would take some planning, but woke up at 930, threw a bag together, and I was on the road by 945, headed down to, to meet him in Connecticut, got there around, what would you say, we left at like 1230-ish? Yeah, 1230, yeah. Yeah, so met up in Connecticut and then made the, the five hour trek down to Baltimore, made it for you know, 530 or so, got to our hotel and, and made it just inside the ballpark 
you know, got there for right, right when gates were opening pretty much. Uh, and, and we got to see Adley Rutschman's debut. And as like Brad said, that was like such a, a changing of the tides moment, such a, a important, significant moment. You know, we became Orioles fans uh, around 2010, 2011 or so. So they, they were kind of just getting good then. So we, we had a, a stretch of good Orioles baseball. And we've, of course, had a stretch now of, of just absolutely horrendous Orioles baseball. Um, and, and this was a, a great, like, coming of age moment sort of for our, for this team. Uh, and we got to, you know, witness a really special moment, uh, which was his first major league hit, uh, a triple for his first major league hit following in the footsteps of former uh, Orioles catching top prospect, Matt Wieters. Uh, and, and from our seats, we actually got fantastic footage of it. Uh, so we're gonna let you guys take a look at that right now. So Brad, that that ball goes in the air down the right field line. Uh, for for you, take me through that moment. So when he hit it, I was initial reaction had to have been that because had to have been that it was going foul because there's not a lot of room down that line to put it. And then when you, everybody got up and you see that it gets down and it's in that corner, you're thinking he's got at least two. And then when he starts chugging past second and he stands up at third, a stand-up triple, it was just an electric moment inside that entire ballpark. There's like the moment off the bat in the video where everyone like to stand, to see the ball in the air and we all stand up. And my thought is like, all right, that's going to fall in front of the right fielder. All right. And I'm thinking, you know, single, maybe double. And there's, you see the moment where he looks back at the ball and, and from our angle, we can't see Brett Phillips fiddling around with the baseball. He like, he went to pick the baseball up, dropped it like twice. We can't see that from our angle because we're, we're along the, the right field line and, and the wall and, and the, the bit of the stands are in our way. So all we see is Adley take one look back and then turn on the jets around third base. I'm like, we're all, of course we're all hyped because like he, we just saw the ball fall in for his first hit. And there's that like, Oh my God, he's going for three moment. And I, I like, I'm, I'm filming with the camera, but at the same time, I'm looking at Brad. I'm like, no way he's going for three right now. Gets in standing. And I'm, I have not experienced a moment at a baseball game like that other than Mariano Rivera's last appearance at Yankee Stadium. That's two of like the most chilling, unforgettable moments. Um, but being a, an Orioles fan, that this one honestly meant a, a tiny bit more uh, to, to get to witness that in person. It was so crazy because he's a catcher. And how many catchers are going to hit triples? He had, I, I think, six triples across the minors. I, I could be wrong on that number, but it was some, somewhere like six in the minors. In the first major league hit, he's got one. Um, I don't know if Matt Wieters ever hit one after that first major league hit, but something tells me that won't be Adley's only uh, triple in his career. But what an awesome moment to see that. And then uh, he got, it did get another base hit into center field the next day. We're, we're still waiting on that first big league home run, really hoping it doesn't come with that short porch at Yankee Stadium into a Yankees fan's hands. Uh, I think an Orioles fan deserves to catch that ball for all their years of suffering. Uh, but the, the other big story besides that uh, was a, uh, of course, this Tim Anderson, Josh Donaldson beef, which is just bizarre because there's like two so like clearly different stories. 
And like, there's, there's no dispute like about what was said at all. It's just like the interpretation of it and the intent behind it. There's so many different like stories on, um, and, and I'm, I'm ready to go ahead and add these two to our Madison Bumgarner Dan Bellino fight card. So we've got two fights on the, the main card right now. So this fight card is really coming along nicely. I, that's just, just a, a weird incident, but uh, my thoughts at the end of the day, um, if it, it was likely not meant in a racist way, but if it's taken that way, then that's how it, that's how it is. I think period. If it's we, m myself, uh, the, the two of you and anyone who looks like us is not qualified to say that it wasn't a racist comment. If it was taken that way, then we need to listen and, and we should be doing more listening than talking in, in this scenario. It, I don't think that Josh Donaldson is a, a racist guy. I think he's a bit of a troublemaker. I think that, you know, Manny was very much in the wrong throwing a bat at him, uh, but he, he has a history of putting aggressive tags on people. Um, and he pushed somebody off a base earlier. Was that him that pushed someone off a base or was someone different? I think it was him. That, didn't he push Anderson off the base earlier in the year? Yes, that, that, that even was Tim Anderson. You're right. So, you know, he, he had the thing with Cole where he was calling Cole a cheater, which he is. But, like, you know, they brought him into that clubhouse knowing what he was. So I, I, I'm just not sure if, if this is a, a great clubhouse thing for the, the Yankees just to have him there in the first place. Um, but then, I don't know. I, I, there is a, a clear difference in intent and impact in this situation, but uh, the impact, uh, I have to think, is, is more important. You never want to make someone feel lesser. You never want to make someone feel badly, and, and especially, it's, it's just in poor taste to, to call anyone that, in my opinion, regardless of what he had said about himself. Um, if you think that what he said about himself was ridiculous, you're entitled to that opinion, um, but you are not entitled to call people names at the end of the day is, is my opinion. But uh, I'm taking TA in the fight by a slight margin. Josh Donaldson does have that like Viking thing going with his hair that makes me think maybe he could pull something out. But I I'm going to take TA by a, by a small margin, but mainly based off the motivation here. I think he's got, he's got a pretty good motivation in this fight. But uh, let it go to you guys now. Yeah, I, I think Donaldson would just be, be the type of guy that just throw punches as fast as he can probably wouldn't land one or you know ta would just sit back but yeah I, I don't know i don't think the yankees can afford to have a clubhouse that's negative you know given how much people outside of their fan base dislike them if they want to go far this season they're going to need to stay far away from controversy as a mets fan i know what that's like and it's not good for your culture and the yankees really need a championship this year or to at least win that division yeah, I guess there was the other story that came out today for them was that there was an altercation back in 2019 that really sparked the whole discussion between it. And obviously he came back and said it again. So obviously there's either some bad, well, there's obvious bad blood between Donaldson and Anderson. But it's it's weird that Donaldson would say it again, knowing that he already wasn't happy with him saying it. Like, I don't know why you would bring it up again. He, he's a, a clear instigator is all I think it is, is that he, he wants to be a heel. He yeah. wants to be an instigator, and, and that's how he is. And I, that, that's not good for the, this Yankees team, for sure. No. 
Uh, we had a chance to once again talk to, to one of our players of the week, our AAA player of the week from last week, uh, Jared Koenig. So uh, we're going to go ahead and let you guys take a look at that right now. What's up, everyone? We got Jared Koenig here with us from the Oakland A's organization. Uh, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, just out here doing what we can to keep the dream alive and have some fun. So you are with the Las Vegas Aviators, which is honestly, you guys have one of the coolest stadiums and some of the coolest jerseys in all of the minor leagues. Uh, so I definitely like following you guys uh, along there. Where are you guys at this week? Uh, we're in Tacoma right now. Uh, cool. So Tacoma, Washington, playing against the Rainiers. And we got here yesterday afternoon. Very cool. Very cool. So you ended up with the A's by way of the Australian Baseball League, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was in the ABL. I was with the Auckland Tuatara. Uh, I was with them for roughly eight weeks before I got signed or sent home after I'd got signed probably a couple of weeks prior to that. So how did that end up coming about being in Australia across the globe? Uh, I mean, I've been following the, the ABL for a while now. Um, love having some baseball to watch when we're, you know, off season here in the U S. Um, so how did that come about? Uh, so in 19, my, my, uh, one of my teammates, uh, Pat Leday, he was, he had been in talks and I had been looking to go to Australia to maybe go to a club team. If I, if I had to, to start to give me a chance to just get on one of the ABL teams. And he was talking with Auckland, but then he was also, he also got an offer from Melbourne and he ended up opting to go to Melbourne. And I told him to put, tell DJ Carrasco, the pitching coach for Auckland to, to look or to give him my number and, and to reach out to me. And, and he did his research on me, reached out to me. And then uh, kind of from there, that's, that's how when I became the, uh, or I became like the one, the one indie ball guy they started with that year to, to sign with. That's awesome. Uh, now Auckland is not in Australia, correct? That's New Zealand. Yeah. It's in New Zealand the on the North Island. And is, am I wrong in saying that there's a, a Korean team now too? Yeah. There's Geelong Korea, which they're based. Uh, I don't remember where they were. Based. It's a, I don't know if there's a place called Geelong or not. Huh. I can't remember. I didn't get a chance to go there, but yeah, that it's a, it's an all Korean team. That's that plays in the uh, ABL. That's crazy. I love to see the expansion like that. Well, the, the two Atara were are a recent team too, right? Yeah. That was the year I was there in, in the winter 19 was the second year and they haven't had a chance to play obviously because with COVID and everything the last two years. Hope, well, hopefully have... this, this next one, they get a chance. That must've been really cool to be part of like that inaugural group then. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, being in the second season, it was, it was sweet. They, I mean, the first year was, or no, what was it? No, what was it? No, it was the first year. That's right. Yeah. It was the inaugural one. No, wait, no, <laughs> no, it couldn't have been the inaugural one. Cause the year before they had a pitcher signed uh, but, gotcha. but to the Royals. So yeah, second year. Yeah. Gotcha. It was, it was awesome. I mean, to, to see baseball kind of continue to grow in there where, where it's not a big sport in New Zealand. Uh, it was cool. I mean, the, the, the they, they, um, took, they used an old, uh, rugby stadium. Well, it's still kind of in use a little bit for a couple of things and, uh, blew out half the bleachers or two third or a third of the bleachers and turned that into kind of the outfield. And it was, it was sick. And I, I was bummed to miss the playoff game they had 
because that was, I think they had the most fans on the ABL game. Wow. That's pretty cool. I, that reminds yeah. me of uh, what, who was, wasn't there an opening day that was at a, a cricket field a, a few years ago? Where was that? Does anyone remember? Uh, I think that was the A's in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. That A's, was super cool. A's and someone else, maybe Cardinals. I don't know. I, I love all the initiatives that MLB is taking right now to do games all over the globe. I, that's going to be really, really huge. Uh, yeah, for sure. I My last ABL question for you is just, what was the highlight of that experience over there for you? Oh, I, I think the biggest highlight for me is just being able to go to another country. Um, I had never been out of the United States or off the mainland. Um, so going, going out and getting that experience was fantastic. And New Zealand's absolutely amazing. It's, it's so cool just to see, and then you get to go and explore and see how green and, and, and just everything, everything about it was awesome. Australia was great too, but New Zealand was by far my favorite of the, of the two. That's awesome. So, yeah. Um, so what would you say staying on the topic of the ABL would, is the biggest difference between the ABA, ABL, and um, the minors? Would you say? Um, obviously, the different country. Um, the the, I would say, you're not getting a, necessarily a full minor league lineup. You're getting a few because they have to have a certain amount of uh, Kiwis or or Australian Kiwis being New Zealanders and australians on a roster to keep the points down it's a, it's a point system for for each week how it works and you ha- you're limited to i think it's 40 points each week that you can have like indie ball guys are four points so it's like you have to go and get a guy and then minor leaguers are two two pointers and then uh kiwis or whatever are minus two so like they they give you more leeway when you when you kind of do that stuff um, I'd, I'd say that's the biggest thing. It's not necessarily a full minor league lineup that you're facing, but then again, there's, you're still facing talented hitters and everything and all of that. I'd say, yeah, I'd say that's probably the, the biggest, um, difference between from what I've seen now in minor leagues and going back to the, the ABL. Oh yeah. I didn't know about the point system. But what do you anticipate the biggest challenge would be at the big league level? Um, I think the biggest thing there is just it's it's getting there, and then and then it's staying there. Um, everyone always says that it's the easiest thing in the world to make it to the big leagues. It's the hardest part is is being able to stay there, which you can clearly see when you have all these guys getting optioned down and everything. The young ones that are struggling same time for sure yeah so i was gonna i want to ask uh i was reading the story about you that was in the athletic a few days ago and mm-hmm. it said that you re- you developed the cut fastball so i was wondering mm-hmm. how significant that has been to your progress uh, I think that's helped immensely, giving me a second pitch that's similar to a fastball. Uh, that also goes the other way. So now I've got two pitches that go towards a righty or away from the lefty, and I've got two pitches that go vice or vice versa for changeup and, and two seam. Mainly is what I throw, anyways. 
So adding that cutter gave me just another pitch to kind of get an out pitch. If say if one's off that day, considering my changeup last 15 years prior to this year, it was not a very good pitch. And I'd been trying to throw a good changeup. I finally have found a grip and a, a comfortability to where I can throw for strikes and guess a little more consistent soft contact and even swing and misses. So that having that cutter last year was huge because it would give me that third pitch when say I couldn't throw a change up very well, or it was just getting hit. Um, I think, yeah, just the ability to, that it, it comes off my fastball. I can throw it. I've, I've started to manip- learn how to manipulate a little more to where I can get to, to have a little more depth or if I want to throw it a little higher in the zone to have it just run versus diving. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been a, it's been a huge pitch for myself and, I think it's definitely helped progress me in the ACE organization over the last two years. Yeah. I saw that you like learned your changeup essentially was from watching Trevor Hoffman videos. And yeah. I, f- I figured like if you had to pick one where you're, you where it's the one, ha- the, the changeup or the fastball, the cut fastball, which one has meant more to you after you have finally found the changeup? Uh, I'd say getting that changeup grip, um, getting that changeup grip was huge. It allowed me to, uh, one sec. What's going on? Oh, yeah. So getting that changeup grip was huge. It, my, it's, it was more feeling as I watched the video and I heard what he had said was getting the feeling of the uh, ring finger and the thumb and kind of pressing it on. Like that's what you're trying to grip, try and touch those fingers through the baseball. And so that, that resonated with me, that, that kind of feeling. And so now I can throw it off a different grip. It doesn't have to be the same grip each time. Sometimes because I change as I'm moving, I change the grip as I'm moving the, uh, as I'm moving in my windup. So I can sometimes just throw it off of a different grip and still have that feeling and get the same pitch I want, which is that's, so I'd say that's been, the most useful, especially this year, because I'm going to need that if I get the opportunity in the big leagues. Do you happen to have a, a baseball on you? Uh, I don't believe I do. I think that's all right. Field. That's all right. I I was just asking because uh, when I was a kid uh, in the Oriole Park parking lot, AJ Burnett taught me his cutter grip. Uh, so oh, I was yeah. thinking it'd be interesting to you know see the way that you hold it. But that's all right. Um, uh, well, yeah. So, I mean, I can try and explain it. I throw two seams straight up pretty much, um, across, uh, with the narrow seams and I don't go across. Um, and then I just slightly rotate the ball or I, I guess I'll, I'll go easy. I rotate my fingers forward towards the horseshoe okay. just to touch. And I'm on the outside and my thumb moves to the bottom of the other side. Gotcha. And then cool. I just, I, I throw it and then sometimes I can get a little more run if I want and kind of get, make it like a slider at times as well without, even though I try and avoid the slider look, cause it's not as, it's not as good of a pitch as it is with the cutter. Cool. Thank you for explaining that. I, I can picture it in my head. I'm sure everyone else can too. Uh, but uh, if you want to jump into a, a minute, a rapid fire here, I got the questions up. Uh, Brad, do you want to pull a timer up? Yeah, I got it ready. And just the same thing as last time. Let us know last question. All right, you start on. You want to start on me? Yeah, I'm yeah. go. I'm ready. All right, ready. Favorite, ready. Play, favorite player growing up? 
Uh, Sandy Koufax. If you were an animal, what animal would you be? Uh, probably a bird of prey. Uh, who's the funniest teammate you've ever had? Uh, uh, too many. I, I don't know. All right. <laughs> What's your go-to fast food spot on the road? Uh, depends on where I'm at, but if there's in and out, I'll go in and out. What's one song that you can't get out of your head lately? Uh, I can't even think of it off the top of my head right now. Um, I, I'll just go with my walkout loud and heavy. All right. Then my next question was going to be walkout. So that's perfect. Uh, what's your favorite TV show? Um, I mean, these things like, hey, <laughs> I should, I should be quicker on this. I'll just go South Park. What's your go-to alcoholic beverage? Uh, cheap beer. Bush light, bush latte. Last question. All right. Uh, we'll go with favorite sport besides baseball. Probably soccer. You had a favorite team? Um, not not in anything. That was more just me, a sport of playing is the gotcha. way I went about it. If, if we're going off of that, it would be hockey. All right. You have a favorite yeah. hockey team? Yeah, San Jose Sharks. Nice. And uh, I'm going to throw one more in there because I, I meant to ask, but I didn't know. Who's your favorite baseball team growing up? San Francisco Giants. Perfect. Perfect. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us, man. You had a great time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm glad it worked out with all your schedules, too. Yeah. And congratulations again on winning the uh, AAA Player of the Week for, for last week. I know that's such a prestigious award for y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I It'd be nice if the uh, MLIB or MILB.com gave you it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get there one day, but hopefully that'll be yeah. the, the rookie of the week in, in the major leagues, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, man. Oh, well, yeah, thank you. you. So now we're going to head to this week's MLB Players of the Week. Jimmy, take it away. So for the AL Player of the Week, Trevor Story of the Red Sox, he went off eight hits, five of them home runs. 13 RBIs, a 333 average, and a 1,000 slug. Justin Verlander showing that he's still elite coming back from Cy Young, or Tommy John. 2-0 record over two starts, no runs, 11 innings pitch, 13 strikeouts, and only three walks. Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, after a slow start, has heated up 12 hits, a 429 average, and an over 1,100 OPS. Going to the senior circuit in the NL, the NL Player of the Week, Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals. He's won the award already for the second time. 16 hits, seven doubles, three home runs, 12 RBIs, and a 516 average. Freddie Peralta of the Brewers wins the NL Pitcher of the Week. Um, he had a performance that was seven innings pitched, no runs, 10 strikeouts, two hits, and one walk en route to a one nothing win against the Braves, I believe it was last Tuesday. And Hunter Green of the Reds, after a very slow start, has been great his last two starts. Combined 13 and a third innings pitched, 15 strikeouts, just four hits over two starts, both quality starts. Yeah, I, I should mention that these are uh, the week seven uh, players of the week. We, we are going to be a two or two or so days late with this episode because of the Baltimore trip. So these players of the week run from uh, Sunday, May 15th to Saturday. Uh, May 21st. So 
you know, we're, we're a little behind because of that trip. So they're retroactive to, to week seven. Brad, take us down to the farm. Uh, good luck. I'm looking right now at our notes and you, the first name here, or the first guy. And I, I know that you have a history of, of fumbling some names. So uh, I'm going to sit back and, and let you attempt this one. Good luck. <laughs> so on our AAA level, it's going to be our second pitcher to ever win an award here. And it's, ju- it's going to be Jared Kynick. He is a Las Vegas aviator. He's not on the A's t- top 30. He was a 2014-35, 35th round pick out of high school by the White Sox, but he didn't sign. Ended up going to college, didn't get drafted out of there. He bounced around a bunch of, of uh, independent leagues since 2017, and then he went to the Australian League in 2018, really found something out there. And Oakland took a chance on him in 2020. And then he obviously lost the season to COVID, no minor league season. But last year and this year, he has been dominant. And on Friday, he went eight innings against the Salt Lake Bees with Joe Adele in the lineup, which he struck out twice. He gave up three hits. He struck out 10. He walked nobody, and his only earned run was a solo home run in the seventh inning to Brendan Davis, who is the Angels' 20th-ranked prospect in their system. The AA Player of the Week is Dominic Fletcher. He's a center fielder for the Amarillo Sod Poodles. He's the brother of David Fletcher, the shortstop for the Angels, and he is a 2019 second-round pick, also the 18th prospect in the Diamondback system. This week, he was 12 for 27, or 14 for 27, my mistake. He hit 519. He homered two times and had seven RBIs in one night, and then he also had another two RBIs and a triple on the week. He had a 1,300... 67 OPS, and down on the high A level is actually Alex McGarry. He is a first baseman for the Dayton Dragons. He's 24. He's not inside the Reds' top 30. They signed him as an undrafted free agent in 2020. Obviously lost that season as well. Nice little uh, tidbit here for David and I. He won the College World Series with Oregon State, hitting in front of 2019 number one overall pick, Adley Rutschman. And this week he went 12, 10 for 22, scored 10 runs. He tripled once, homered five times, and he had 10 RBIs on the week. He slugged one, he slugged, he slugged 1,227, and he also had an OPS of 1747. Uh, you missed Loe. Did I? Oh, I just, I just left him there. Vaughn Brown. Sorry, Vaughn Brown. He's a center fielder for the San Jose Giants. He's 24. He was selected in the 10th round out of this year's past draft, 2021, out of Division II Florida Southern. He was not on the Giants' top 30, but this week he had an amazing week. He Oh, I switched the stats on Alex McCary and Vaughn Brown. That's what happened there. <laughs> so Alex McGarry went 10 for 21. He had three doubles, one triple, three homers, and nine RBIs with a 1,143 slugging and a 1,665 OPS, while Vaughn Brown went 10 for 22, scored 10 times, tripled once, homered five times, 10 RBIs, a 1,200 slugging, and a 700 OPS. So that's where we got switched up there. We're still getting used to this whole four minor league players of the week thing. That's all right. I bet you that Alex McGarry in 2019 had a ridiculous amount of runs scored hitting in front of Adley. It was like you get on base and you're getting hit in. So that that must have been a fun time for him. Just trips around the bases every game. 
that was that was when he had the um uh Adley had I think Adley had like the most runs batted in in uh, Oregon State's history. I, I wonder how many of them were uh you know Alex McGarry. That that would be a really fun thing for us to look up. Uh, but yeah, did, couldn't quite get that to an even fifteen hundred, huh? No. But, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead right now and say that for the rest of the season, we're going to be on Jimmy's ass about Adley Rutschman as the uh, AL Rookie of the Week. I think every week, Jimmy's going to be getting a text from the two of us with Adley's stat line. (laughs) We're going to be pushing hard for that until about mid-June when Grayson comes up, and then he's going to be getting two texts a week from us for the AL Rookie of the Week. Jim, get get ready for that because it's coming. I hope they win. Bradley, the – we had, a, we had a fantastic umpiring appearance that, that you're going to talk about uh, this week. So go ahead with the best and worst umpires of the week. So I am ready to declare Pat Hoberg as the best umpire in baseball because not only once this week was he great, but he was great twice this week. On Monday, he was a .08 runs for San Francisco. They ended up winning 7-6. to six. 98% accuracy, 94% consistency, 99 on called balls, and 96 on called strikes. And then he followed that up on Friday in Houston with Martin Perez showing showing his uh, complete game shutout there. He was 98% overall accuracy, 97 consistency. Called, by, called ball was 98%, and his called strike was 100%. So he has just been downright amazing for this year. And then our worst on part of the week is going to be Phil Cousy. He was overall accuracy was down to 89%. So overall consistency down to 90%. Called ball accuracy was down at 93%. And his called strike accuracy, which was which is one of the reasons why he made this list. He was down from the 88 average to 72%. The overall factor for the day, he was plus 1.3 runs for the Brewers. And they did not even show up because they scored zero on the day, even with that help. So if, if Pat Hoberg is the golden goose of umpires, does that make Angel Hernandez the ugly duckling? Yes, absolutely. All right, we're going to throw it now to Owen with the top five plays of the week, capped off by Mr. Adley Rutschman's first MLB hit. Towards the line and left. Rosarena still on the run. He gets there and makes the catch just inside the line. Line drive into left, and it's going to be caught. Oh, what a grab by Rosarena. Diving to his right. This one in the deep center field. Cameron's still going back. He leaps and he's got it. Up against the wall. Daz Cameron stolen and turns it into a double play. Thanks to Owen for those awesome plays. We're going to head to Cooper with the MLB Photo of the Week. Welcome back to Photo of the Week. This week's picture features Stan Musial looking out at Wrigley Field from the dugout. Stan, a regular visitor of Wrigley, remains a legend in the rich history of St. Louis Cardinals. 
His lore carries in the record books as he won three MVPs, three World Series, seven batting titles, MLB Player of the Year twice, as well as being selected to 24 All-Star Games in the Hall of Fame. His historic stats helped propel him into the Hall as he collected 128.6 war, 3,630 hits, 475 home runs, and a 331 lifetime batting average. He remains one of the best outfielders of all time, sharing the likes of Joe DiMaggio and Ted Williams of the time. Thanks, and back to the guys. We're going to go to our MLB Power and Sour Rankings, presented by Fit and Faded. A Fit and Faded promotes cannabis as a dietary supplement for fitness enthusiasts. Head to fit-faded.com and use code BULLPEN for 15% off your order. Uh, and a reminder that we're going to run our Fit and Faded uh, Call to the Bullpen t-shirt giveaway through this week. Uh, announcing the winner on Saturday, uh, the episode that we're going to record on Saturday, so that the next episode will have the winner announced in it. That'll be episode 11. We'll announce the winner. So head to our social medias at CTBP Pod uh, to sign up for that giveaway. Three easy steps to enter, and it's a free t shirt. Who doesn't want a free t shirt? Uh, so headed to the sour rankings for this week. Uh, at number five is the Detroit Tigers. Number four is the Colorado Rockies. I have a feeling I'm not going to be getting that dinger tramp stamp because. Uh, shocker, I was right. The Rockies suck. Uh, number three is the Oakland Athletics. Number two is the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, and a new number one this week for the first time, the Washington Nationals coming in at number one, uh, especially with rumbles of them trading Juan Soto, which would be a monumental mistake in my opinion. Now we're headed over to the power rankings. At number five is the Los Angeles Angels. And number four, down a spot from last week, is Jimmy's New York Mets. Number three, they've been climbing for a couple weeks now. They are as good as we thought they were. They just had a, a real rough start, and that's the Houston Astros. They, they are still an incredible baseball team. Uh, the New York Yankees are, are still at number two uh, and, uh, and holding on to the number one spot. Um, it was really, really close last week, and, and we did go back and forth debating it a bit, um, but, but the number one spot is the L.A. Dodgers. Um, they, they had that rough week, and, and we really asked them to, to prove that they belong in that number one spot, and, and they did exactly that, in, in my opinion, um, and proved that they do belong there. But, but the Yankees are sticking around, although uh, losing the last two games to the Orioles certainly doesn't help their case. But, but that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on social medias at CTBPPod, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.